Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. All right, so I believe that's everything. We're going to jump into the Word of God this morning in Luke's Gospel, Chapter 8. Yesterday I was speaking at a church in the um, south, the south um, I'm trying to remember where it was, so new to Melbourne, I don't know all the, all the suburbs, you don't know all the suburbs of Melbourne as I do, but uh, <laughs> some of you have been here forever, there's so many of them, and yeah, we were talking about what God is doing in the church today, and I really believe that we are in a very different season um, if you've been around for a while in your relationship with the Lord, and particularly if you've been in ministry, you've seen changes. You've been you, through the places where you've seen God move, do amazing things. Then you maybe have seen seasons where things have been difficult, it's been hard, um, it's been challenging in ministry, and COVID certainly was that. Uh, but there's also now, I think, a fresh uh, sense in which God is saying, He's going to do something. But I believe very strongly that we have to prepare ourselves. And this is the reason why I say that. And remember in um, the Gospels when Jesus, uh, before he showed up and he started preaching, the Lord God, the Father, sent someone. Do you remember his name? John. Right? And what was John's role? Prepare the way. Yes. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make the crooked places straight, the rough places smooth, etc. So there was a work of preparation that had to take place in order to prepare the people for what, um, when Messiah would come and what he would do. And I really believe we are in a similar time, that God is calling us to prepare ourselves. It's one thing to say, hey, I'm believing for revival, but there's another thing to sow into that, to prepare the ground. Like if you want to harvest, you don't just, you know, walk out into a paddock or a, a field, a farmer's field, and go, hey, I'm believing for harvest. You've got to prepare the soil, right? You, you plow the soil. You cultivate the soil. Then you sow seeds. Then you continue to nurture and cultivate it, and then you will receive a harvest if you do things according to the laws of nature. And there are laws in God's kingdom. There's things that we're required to do. Just to say I'm believing doesn't work. Can I say that? Now, now I'm not saying God doesn't do things in spite of the fact that we're passive at times. And maybe even, even we resign ourselves to the point where I'm just like, I'm tired. I've, I've, it's been hard. It's been difficult. And God... I can't pray anymore. I can't believe again. And how many have ever honestly said you've been there where you're just like, oh, I don't, I don't even know if I can pray any longer. I mean, it, it's hard sometimes. I get that. And, but I believe that the Lord calls us to strengthen ourselves in him, even in those difficult seasons. Because anytime you read the scripture, what is God's result uh, or his remedy for our spiritual um, fatigue. What? The disciples are what? Tired. 
falling asleep. And Jesus comes and he looks at them and he says, can't you even watch and pray for one hour? Apparently not. Uh, and what is he saying? Hey, spirit is willing, flesh is weak, pray. But you fall not into temptation. Lord, I'm too tired to pray. Yeah, your spirit's willing, your flesh is weak, pray. I'm tired, pray. I don't feel like it, pray. Jeremiah, he's the kind of guy, you know, you ever, you ever meet people that just kind of like, you've been in the ministry a long time, right? It's like, I don't want to do this, I'm tired, suck it up. point is, there are times when we have to do it even if we don't feel like it. I don't know what you feel, even though everything in the natural looks terrible. I'm going to praise you, even though, man, I might have shame, I might have guilt, I might have what? And God's like, don't worry, I took care of that at the cross, right? Praise me. Praise me. Worship me. Give me glory. You ever say this, but if I did that, I'd be a hypocrite. No. There's a big difference. A hypocrite is someone who acts like everything's great, but in reality, it's not. Okay? And, and I'm not talking about, hey, sometimes you just, you know, obviously you can't just always share everything. But I'm saying there's a place where you actually say, hey, you know what? It doesn't matter what I'm going through. I'm going to praise God. I don't feel like it. It doesn't matter. You don't feel like going to the gym, right? True. So we do it whatever we have to do. So in spite of our feelings, and it's especially true in the kingdom. And when we do what God calls us to do, he directs us. He gives us strength. The Bible says he works in us to will and to do his good pleasure. Philippians 2.12. The NLT puts it this way. It says, God actually works in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Right? So sometimes it's like, God, I'm willing to be made willing. Have you ever said that? Like, I'm willing to be made willing. And he's like, okay, we can work with that. We can start with that. And our job as those who are called in the fivefold ministry the Bible says, and even as fellow believers, is to spur one another on. You, remember, you know what a spur is? You ever, how, how many know spurs that you feel really good? Okay. But it has a purpose, right, to prod you, to, to get you moving, to, to um, yeah, just to point you in the right direction and so on. And that's what it takes. Yeah, man, it's just been tough, man. We need one another. So if you stay home, guess what happens? I can guarantee those who don't regularly fellowship with other believers will experience a decline in their passion and in their zeal and, and, their, and even at, with discouragement and other things. Because Jesus says, you ever hear those people like, oh, I've got a direct pipeline to God, right? Like, hey, I've got God, I've got the Holy Spirit. Yeah, we all do. 
But the way the Lord works, he has designed the church so that we need one another. So it's like, oh, I just need Jesus. Just Jesus. Only Jesus. Really? Then why did he give us all gifts? And why did he say that we're only just a member of the body? Because we still need each other. The Holy Spirit works not only directly into our lives, not only through the word, through the spirit, but he also works through other believers by his spirit and by his word. So that's really important. So we are in a time where I believe God is giving us fresh understanding and revelation of what it is he wants to do in our lives and in his church. Really important. So we're going to jump into Luke chapter 8, and it's just one verse, verse 1 here. Uh, it says this, It came to pass afterwards that he, meaning Jesus, went through every city and village preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. The word glad tidings is gospel. So the idea is that Jesus, when he was going through every city and village in his day, notice what it says. This is the English Standard Version, preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. So if you look at some uh, other translations, it may just have one word, proclaiming, for example. Uh, you'll see one of the old translations. How many remember the King Jimmy? Ah, 1611, right? So the King Jimmy actually... Elizabethan English, we don't talk that, I get it, but it actually says uh, that he was preaching and chewing, chewing, which is old English for what? Showing, preaching and showing the kingdom. Uh, the New King James says preaching and bringing, right? So it's an, just, like, just like the English Standard Version. So he was not only talking about the kingdom, he was not only declaring the kingdom, he was demonstrating the kingdom. Right? In Matthew 12, 28, he said, if I cast out demons by the spirit of God, another uh, the account Luke says, by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. The kingdom of God has come upon you. True story, I was in East Africa preaching a crusade in a stadium and it was very difficult. We were trying to break through. People, not many people were coming. And we were seeing a lot of resistance in the spirit realm. We could feel it. And uh, what happened was um, I was ministering in a village that morning. And this elderly uh, lady came forward. And she had two small children with her. She didn't speak English. So through the translator, she asked if I would pray for her. These were her grandees. So she said, pray for and I said, so where's the parents? They died of AIDS. The parents died of AIDS. HIV was really bad. Remember, in the, there was a time in East Africa it was really bad. Still isn't great, but it was terrible. They thought entire countries were going to be wiped out. And what ended up happening is um, I, I said, okay, we'll pray. And the pastor said, you got to go. Come to the crusade tonight. And Pastor Glenn will pray for you. So she shows up, sure enough, early. And we meet her, and as I'm praying for her grandchildren, I feel a very dark presence. And I'm like, this lady, she's like this tall. Yeah. And I'm looking at her, and I'm like, whoa, it's super powerful. Anybody know what I'm talking about here? We're all spiritual, right? So, so I, right away, the Holy Spirit said, yep, you need to pray for her. Need deliverance. 
So through the translator I shared, I said, I want to pray for you. You need delivered. You need set free. She agreed. I prayed for her. She was marvelously delivered. Okay? I mean, I'm not getting into all the dramatic details, but it was full on. And she was delivered. What happened that night, interestingly, because this was just before the, the crusade was, was scheduled to start that night, is heaps of people showed up. I'm looking at this. Then during worship, like revival breaks out. Now, you know what it's like in Africa. Come on now. I mean, everybody was going. The white plastic chairs, you know what I mean? And the African crusades. They, everybody had their chair up like this, you know. Whose side are you leaning on? Leaning on the Lord's side. You know how it is. And, and they're going, I lean, I lean, I lean, I lean. Leaning on the Lord's side. You know? and, and so what happens is, man, I get up and the atmosphere is charged with the presence and the anointing of God. And I preached the gospel. And I'm telling you, thousands of people got saved that night. Miracles happened. People were delivered and set free. And I'm like, what made the difference, Lord? What changed? You know, how, how did the atmosphere change? What, what happened? And the Lord said to me, remember that little old lady? And I said, yeah. He goes, you dealt with a, you dealt with a stronghold and a principality. I'm like, in her? And he was like, no, no. Look at, remember the scripture? Matthew 12, 28. If I cast out demons by the finger of God, and the kingdom of God has come upon you. He just said, when you dealt with that, here's what you did. In the heavenly realm, you took authority over what the enemy was doing. It wasn't just a case of her being delivered, but something in the spirit realm shifted because you took authority over what the enemy was doing. And the kingdom came with power. The kingdom came with force. And it was incredible what took place. And I've seen that happen many times. And we have to know the authority that we have in Jesus. We have to know. The enemy wants us to be passive. He wants. He doesn't really care if you go to church. In fact, how many know the devil goes to church? Yeah. So, it's scriptural, by the way. Psalm 74, the enemy roars in the dwelling place of God. So what I'm saying is that there is a place where we have to step into our authority. Where we say enough is enough. I'm not putting up with this. We take authority, right? Remember the woman following Paul and Silas around? It's recorded in Acts 16. And Paul's looking at this woman and he's like, something ain't right. It's like, what's wrong? But she's saying the right words. She's saying, these men are servants of the Most High God, proclaiming to you the way of salvation. Listen to them. She was preaching the truth. But Paul became just agitated in his spirit, and he turned around, and he looked, and he said, in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And he took authority over what the enemy was doing, and it literally resulted in an outpouring of God's spirit in a revival. I'm telling you that there are times when you feel like the enemy is following you, 
He's on your back. He's on your case. He's breathing down your neck. And the only way that's going to stop is you just kind of say, okay, enough is enough. Why is this happening? Why is this taking place? We could get into a lot of reasons for this in terms of open doors. It can be also just the enemy is angry. He doesn't like what's happening in your life. If you're going hard after God, if you're starting to wake up spiritually and you're getting passionate about the Lord and, and really walking in a deeper place of surrender, if your prayer life is going deeper, if you take steps of obedience and do what God calls you to do, the enemy isn't going to like it. And when he comes after you, it comes with the territory, guys. It comes with the territory. It's like, I didn't think this would happen, right? It's like saying, I want to be in the army, but I don't want to fight. Put me in the kitchen, right? I'll peel potatoes. I don't know. But the point is, no, it comes with the territory. And if you never, ever experience spiritual conflict, guess what? You're not a threat. You're not a threat. You're like, leave them alone. They, 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 can't, they don't do anything. But when you step into the place of authority like Jesus did, you not only are seeing people's lives change, you are not only overcoming yourself, but you are actually establishing the kingdom. You're establishing the kingdom. See, that's just, this is a powerful thing. Every time you look at Jesus' ministry, you see him, he's preaching the kingdom, right? Matthew 10, 7, 8. As you go, he says, you preach the kingdom as it may. Heal the sick, cast out demons, cleanse lepers, so on. So there's this call to declare and to proclaim the kingdom of God everywhere. Jesus said in Matthew 20, 14, 24, 14, when the gospel of the kingdom, when the good news of the kingdom is proclaimed throughout the whole world as testimony to all the nations, he said, the end will come. Can I, can I just say to us all in love that there is a lot more in this book than many of us are aware of. There's deeper revelation. There's things that God wants you to know. And you see, one of the, one of the ways the enemy actually, <coughs> can, I, can I just put it this way, makes us impotent is by us not having an understanding of the weapons that are available to us. But when we step into the truth, the revelation, our eyes are opened, then things change. You can go to church all your life, literally all your life, from a child, right? Literally. And not experience the life that God has planned for you. Really. That's called religion. And in 2 Timothy 3 verse 5 it says this. It says, Paul's talking about the last days. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 4. He says, last days, all these terrible evil things are going to happen. All, you read it, the list, right? Then in verse 5, this is what he says. And he says, and... They, he said, they will have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. He's talking about people being haters of God, lovers of money, 
despisers, haughty, headstrong, all of these things. And then in verse 5, he goes, and there will be a people that have a form of godliness, a facade of godliness, but no power. The NLT says they will act religious, but they will reject the power that could change their lives. They will reject the power. They'll be religious, but they'll reject the power. Why? Because they don't know him. John 5, Jesus is speaking to the religious leaders of his day, the ones who knew the scriptures. Some of them had memorized the Torah. There's even a few, it's, it's, it's reputed in history, of the Pharisees that had memorized the Tanakh. Tanakh is the Old Testament. Memorized it. What? And Jesus says, you study the scriptures. One translation says, you diligently study the scriptures. Diligently. Yes, they did. But yet, he said, and he says this, and these testify to you. You're reading the right book, the right words. Actually, these scriptures, of course, that was the Old Testament, testify me. They point to me. But he says, but there's a problem. The problem is you refuse to come to me that you might have life. You know the word of God, but you don't know the God of the word. Pharisees? In John 8, he says, oh, you don't know him. He's, they're like, what? We don't know him? We're like Abraham's ancestors? Who are you? He says, you have no idea. You don't know him. You've never heard his voice. You, you wouldn't listen if you did hear his voice because you don't even know who he is. That's what Jesus said. Full on. He's not like this mild one that actually, you know, just shows up and is like, hey, everybody. Cool. Challenge people. He called people to a place. Can we say it this way? He said several times in the gospel, Jesus said this. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Hmm? But he who does the will of my Father. So you give lip service. Yeah, Lord, Lord. Yeah, yeah, Jesus, you're my Lord. Right, right, okay. Let's, how's that working? Uh, how, what's the evidence of that? Is he ruling and reigning in every area of your life? I'm not saying perfection. We all, but are we allowing him to have that governance and that authority in our life. When we do that, everything changes. Everything changes. And we'll, we'll go through this. It'll take us a few sessions, I'm sure, to really unpack this. But I want you to understand that when Jesus was preaching on the streets of Israel over 2,000 years ago, he, when he was declaring and demonstrating the kingdom, this gospel of the kingdom that he talked about and that he demonstrated, good news of the kingdom, was not merely about individual salvation, but it, it was also entails the redemption and restoration of all things that were crea 
corrupted as a result of the fall. Think about that. When God made man and woman, Adam and Eve, read Genesis, right? And he put them in the garden. It was awesome. It was amazing. It was perfect. It was utopia. It was a paradise with God. And then as a result of their transgression, their disobedience, you know what happened. Death came. Evil came. I mean, all of the things that happened. The earth was cursed. And people were cursed. But the idea of God's kingdom was always at the forefront of everything that Elohim was doing when he created the earth. See, Jesus said this in Matthew 25, verse 34. He's talking about when he returns, he's going to gather the nations before him. And he said, I'm, I'm going to separate the nations as a shepherd does the sheep. The goats go on one side, the sheep go on the other. Sheep are on the right, the goats on the left, he says. And he says, I will say to the sheep, listen to this, are you ready? Matthew 25, 34. The king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father. Wow. Do you want to hear that one day? Because you don't want to hear the other thing. You. Cursed. Into outer darkness. Terrible. We don't want to hear that. We don't want any person to hear that. That's why we have to share the gospel with everyone. But he says this. Listen. You believed in me. You trusted in me. You yielded to me. And you allowed me to have lordship of your life. He says, come you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. One translation says from the creation of the world. So the kingdom wasn't just something that, you know, John preached and then Jesus reinforced it. No, the kingdom has always been the Father's plan. From the very beginning, his kingdom, his rule, his reign, the earth would be an amazing place of righteousness, peace, perfection, where people would be loved, where people would not be confused, where people would not be hurt, where people would not be wounded, where people wouldn't do evil to one another, where there's no sickness or disease, there's no poverty, there's no suffering, But, but, man struck down, male and female, male and female, struck down, and things went down a different trajectory. And now we look at the world, and we thank God for what he's doing, but we still see a lot of evidence things not being the way the Father wanted them to be. So Jesus shows up. First thing he does is he preaches the kingdom. In other words, a divine invitation to enter into a new reality. To embrace a transformed way of living under the reign of Christ. And to participate in the restoration of all things according to God's plan. He didn't say, hey guys, one day 
It'll be great. We'll go to heaven. Everything's nice in heaven now. spiritually aware of that. This isn't just something eschatological doom, something in the future. This is something now. The kingdom is at hand. Yeah, yeah, but the, the, the consummation of God's will will happen in these times. But we recognize that even now there's a new way of life for those who believe the message this good news that's at hand. It says in Colossians 1.13 that when we believe in the gospel, we are translated from a kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, which is the kingdom of God's Son. He wrote one kingdom, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. The kingdom of God is not in words, but it's in power. See, the kingdom is a reality. Jesus said the kingdom is invisible, right? My kingdom is not of this world, but it's real. It's real. And I remember when I got saved, I like, I got saved. It wasn't like I believed and then I kind of went on this journey and I started like, oh, this is what salvation is. I get that. People go on that journey, but I mean, I encountered God. I encountered God. And when I did, I became so hungry for the, his presence. I became so hungry for him. Guys, I, yes, when I was a kid, I saw the power of God. I told my story. I was healed in a Catholic woman meeting when I was a child. I saw the power of God. Benny Hinn was in our home when I was a kid. I saw the power of God. I mean, I saw it. I saw crazy things happen when I was like this, this, this. I mean, growing up, crazy, amazing, the power of God, indisputable, irrefutable. I experienced it personally. And I can tell you that what happened was I became, I wasn't like, oh, I want to see the signs. No, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after the signs. But what does a sign do? You're driving down the road, and it says, this place is X amount of, kilometers away that's a sign you don't stop and go okay we're here pull over where the sign is and go we're here we've arrived that's ludicrous but it tells you the direction that you need to go and it's pointing to another reality so a sign is all about pointing to jesus the reality of jesus and the truth is the greatest miracle is forgiveness of sin because through forgiveness of sin, his blood, you're reconciled to that relationship, right? Jesus said when they were looking at him and he was, you know, like the, the religious people were like, oh, who, who is this guy? Like, who is this guy? And Jesus looks at the paralytic and he says, son, your sins are forgiven. And they're, they're like, who is he? Who, what, who do you think you are that you have authority to forgive sins? Who do you think you are? And then Jesus says this, that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on the earth to forgive sins. Then he looks at the, the man, the paralyzed man, and he says, get up, walk, take your bed. Be healed. 
wife, and you may know that the Son of Man has authority on the earth to forgive sins. It wasn't, even though it met a very real, practical, tangible need, and it was amazing, the point is there was something even more important. Your son, your sins are forgiven. The greatest miracle to be come forgiven, to be reconciled to the Father, and to be part of his family, his family. That's the greatest miracle. So we're invited into this reality. And when we come into his kingdom, guess what happens? We live under a completely different government, set of rules, policies. Everything changes. See, the Bible says that before we knew the Lord, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, that we walked according to the spirit, the power or the, uh, of the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that works in the children of disobedience. So you, in other words, you are ruled and you are, you are under the reign, the authority and the rule of the enemy. Even the nicest, kindest person who doesn't know Jesus is still under his jurisdiction. And what happens is when we step into the kingdom, things change. Different government, different king, different um, experiences. And we come out of darkness into light. We come out of oppression into joy. We, we come out of, out of all the torment and all the things that come against us. And we step into that glorious freedom that is ours. And we experience amazing things in his kingdom. Now, in our future session, I'm, I'm going to unpack this more. But what I want you to understand, please, is that he has called you by his name. Right? And, and he's called you to experience his kingdom. Now, I love this verse. It's found in Isaiah 43, verse number 7. And it actually speaks of the reality of who we are in Christ. Isaiah 43, verse 7, the Lord says, Everyone who's called by my name, called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and I made. He created you. He said, I call you by name. You belong to me. Well, the enemy comes in, and then we have a choice to submit our allegiance to him, to follow him, or to say, yes, you are your father's child. I love that. See, those, everyone I call by my name, whom I created or formed for my glory. You were formed for his glory. Isn't that awesome? You were formed for his glory. You know what they, what gets rid of darkness, oppression, depression, torment, addiction, pain, desires, to harm yourself, desires to do things. You know what gets rid of that? The glory. <laughs> Darkness has to go. Has to go. And then you see people, they come in. I mean, their eyes are dark. They're, they're downcast. They look discouraged. And then they get touched by the glory. And then, whoa, there's light in their eyes. And their face is shining. And, 
and they look like a different person. That's the real gospel. That's the true gospel. But you have to come into his presence. You'll never experience that by just being religious. You have to engage your whole body, mind, soul in pursuing him and getting to know him. And you need to have a personal relationship because some of us, in all honesty, I'm just going to preach the truth this morning, is we've gone to church, but we've never come to know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. your life. Religion is so boring. We drink and be merry, for tomorrow we die. That's what Paul said. He said, like, if Jesus didn't wasn't raised from the dead, eat, drink, and be merry. Tomorrow we die. I mean, it's all in vain, right? So, but the true gospel, wow, it's going to change you. It's going to transform you. It's going to break the things that are holding you back as you continue to seek him and pursue him. I've seen things broken off immediately and, and I've seen things change. But see, what happens here is, listen, and, and I want to end with this. In Romans 8, 16 and 17, Paul says this. The Spirit, Holy Spirit, himself bears witness with our spirit, spirit to spirit, okay? Listen to this, that we are children of God. Now, listen, a lot of people say, well, the Holy Spirit speaks to me. The Holy Spirit talks to me. The Holy Spirit leads me. Yeah, he's, he bore witness to this. Yeah, but look at what does he bear witness to? That we are what? Children of God, right? We're children of God, yeah, but does it stop there? No, what else? We are children of God. Whoa! And heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. What is a joint heir? 50 50. Everything that Jesus has, we have. That's what it means. John 15, verse 15, he actually said that. All that the Father's given to me, I've made known to you. I've given to you. That's what he said. Listen, so the point is, he's calling us to that place. See, we're adopted. We're adopted into his family. And in Roman culture, adoption was a common practice. And when a child was adopted, they took on the following. Number one, the family name. Everyone who's called by my name, his name. Isn't it awesome? So don't call yourself anything else than the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, child of God, but you're called by his name. Well, sometimes our kids don't always behave the way they should be, but they're still our kids, right? So that's not an issue. So then what? It says, then they gained all the rights, privileges, and authority of being part of this new family. They gain all the rights, privileges, and authority. And yes, there's responsibilities as to the heir. But the reality is, guys, this is all us. And when we're called by God's name and adopted into his family, we receive the full inheritance and authority that is ours as children. And it literally signifies our inclusion in God's divine lineage and our authority as co-heirs with Christ. It's a powerful thing. Now, 
with that authority, let me, let me just say this. With this authority that we receive, it it's works this way. If a king appointed someone to be a representative of the king, he, they would often be given, and sometimes even the family had this as well, uh, a signet ring. And the signet ring had a stamp on it, right? And so they would go and they would use that ring and boom. Whenever they did that, whatever the king wanted, whatever they did with that signet ring literally showed that they had authority. So the seal represented the immense authority and power given to the representative. Everything they declared or approved with that seal carried the weight and authority of the king himself. We could, we could unpack this more. All right, so imagine this. You're living in a small village. That village has been oppressed and ruled by a tyrant for years. One day a messenger shows up and proclaims good news. He tells you a new king has come. He has killed the oppressor. He's defeated him. And now he's going to offer freedom. He's going to liberate everyone from the oppression that they experienced. And they will now live in a new order of justice, peace, and prosperity. So, I mean, like, you're really excited about this, the prospect of being free from the tyrant's grip. But then as you listen carefully, something dawns on you. You become enamored with the revelation that this is so much more than just escaping the hardship of your current situation. Thank God I have to be a Christian. Thank God I don't have to deal with much more. So much more. So much more. See, what happens is you realize now that you're invited into a whole new way of living under the rulership of this new king. It is literally an invitation to experience a new life in a transformed community where love, compassion, and righteousness reign. Wow. Wow. We're kingdom citizens. We're kingdom subjects. Wow. It's changed my life. Writing the book about this stuff, right? And I can tell you, it's changed my life. This has been, for me, like a 20-year journey. So I have unpacked everything I can find in the scripture about what it means to live in the kingdom. You know, Paul says, he says this in, in 1 Thessalonians, I believe it's 2.12. He says, God calls you to walk worthy of his kingdom. Isn't that awesome? God's called you to walk worthy of his kingdom. What does that mean? It's like if you are a child of the king, right, if you're royalty, how are you going to live? You better live the right way. But it means also this. You have responsibility. But there's also, there's, there's things, benefits, privileges that are yours. Like, come on. Access it. Go after it. Don't sit back like, you know, the guy that goes on the cruise and, and he bought an all-inclusive ticket. And then he, he, he realizes he doesn't have enough money with him to buy a meal. And he rocks up to the you know, to the dining room on the cruise, and he goes, man, can you guys, like, you know, I've got a little bit of money here. Uh, can you give me something to eat? And they were like, what are you talking about? I mean, 
the buffet, the, all the, everything you could imagine was included, right? Well, that, a lot of times that's the way we are. We just like, we live like we've been given everything. It's all included. It's ours. But we live like paupers. We live in poverty. We live like we've only received this. But he's given us everything. It's ours. And yes, there is a massive responsibility to steward that. Don't bring shame or disdain to his name. But understand this, that even when you stuff up, he still loves you. And Holy Spirit is there to help you, to get strong. And no matter what you're going through, he's there with you. He's going to help you. He's going to give you all that you need to be able to prevail. And he's going to use you. And he's entrusted you with everything that you need to walk in that authority that is yours as his son, as his daughter. Wow, I am preaching amazing stuff this morning. It is so good. Not because I'm preaching it. You could be preaching it. And it would be better. But why? Because it's the word. It's truth. You will know the truth, Jesus said. And the truth will set you free. Come on, change your thinking. Change your thinking. Let's stand together. We're going to worship him. Let's stand together. We're just going to take the next few minutes and we're going to respond to what he has said to us in his word. He wants us to step into what is ours. It's like, well, I, I'm not worthy of it. You are. I did. You're not worthy. I'm not worthy. Not in our own merit, but because of what Jesus did. No condemnation, guys. Stop sliding, trying to do it in your own strength. Let go of the shame. Let go of all the stuff. Let Jesus deliver you. The Bible says, put on the new man. You know what that means? The new identity. The new identity. Put it on. Put off the old. Put on the new. This is who I am. Yeah, I don't feel like it. So what? It's who you are. Truth is truth. Let's reach that out. So just raise your hand for a moment. Just begin to tell the Father. Say, I want you to do something, guys. Please, not not say, God, I love you. I want you to do something different this morning, please. I want you to just say this, Father, I thank you that you love me. Would you just say that? Just say, Father, I thank you that you love me. For God so loved the world. So loved the world. so loved. Just go say, Father, I thank you for loving me. I thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for sending Jesus. I receive the message of the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom, the king's dominion. He's king, guys. He's called you by his name. He created you for his glory. He's king king of all, king of everything, king of everything. There's nothing, no one can stop what God has planned, but you've got to believe it. You've got to receive it. You've got to embrace it. You've got to begin to walk in what he's done at the cross. He shed his blood. He gave it all so that we could be could experience 
blessings and benefits of his salvation. The Bible says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Forget not all his benefits. So much more. I want to just pray, if you're here this morning, and you, you just say, message has touched you and you just like us to pray with you before you go today we'd love to do that just to come into agreement with you and just as as the team leads us just come if that's you if you're like yep i need to i need to do this maybe you're like hey i just need to surrender my life afresh to jesus just come forward we're going to pray with you before you leave today okay just come forward we, we want to pray with you we're going to come into agreement so when you leave things are different God sent you here today. It's not an accident or coincidence. You came here to experience all that he has in your life. A new revelation, a new truth. It's going to shift everything in your life. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again, conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life. And I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.